The following podcast is part of the Joy Road Media family. Enjoy. favorite camp counselor tish delano and i'm your camp counselor lauren jewel (sighs) we are having a day it's it's thursday (laughs) i'm going to blame the fact that we're recording two days later than usual yes we decided to postpone our usual recording day because we wanted to go to a networking event for local artists and there were lots of podcasters there it was pretty cool it was at a coffee shop so can't go wrong with coffee. A coffee shop that used to be a church. Oh, yes. It's called The Congregation. It's in Detroit on, I think it was Rosa Parks Boulevard. I have no idea. I will find the actual address and put that into the notes area. There we go. Um, yeah, it was lovely, but it's really threw off our groove. It was a long day at work today. It's We're, we're we started in... An hour later than we normally do. We're just totally off our groove. But it was for good reasons, <laughs> for the record. Not only was there very tasty pizza involved. Yes. But Tish and I have a tradition. <laughs> we're just we're just opening the, we're opening uh the we're opening the closet we're opening the front door and letting you all in. This is fine. It goes in because much like this episode involves opening the closet to see all the skeletons that mm. fall out, we're opening the closet to what our lives are truly like. <laughs> Cause we live in the closet? I mean, I came out last year officially, so Hi! I guess this is me coming out. Oh. Yep. Oh. Oh, Here we are. Happy Pride Month, everybody. This episode doesn't come out till, like, mid-July. Yes, but but it is currently Pride Month. It is still Pride Month. It (laughs) is always Pride Month. I am so sorry. This is rambling, but... (sighs) Right. So Tish and I have this tradition where we go to work, we come home, we eat food. And while we're eating and digesting the day, we watch a television show called Dating No Filter, and it's glorious. It's great. It is such... It's like McDonald's, but for your brain. It's the best. It's it's so... It's... uh, It's like the Mighty Kids meal. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's just a tasty little snack. You don't have to think. You just shut shut down. Enjoy other people making fools of themselves. Maybe, you know, get a little invested in somebody else's date. It's great. Yes. Courtney, uh, you've been on the show twice now, and I just want to say I am also partially <laughs> Italian. I know I don't I don't know how you feel about dating women, but I will take you on a date. To I will make it up for you. <laughs> to be fair, that poor girl, maybe she should consider it after the last, yes. after her couple, last couple dates. It'll be fine. Well. Well. Are you ready? To go creeping through the crypt? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Would you like your synopsis first or a creeperosity? I would love a creeperosity. All right. I got this creeperosity from the internet, Mm -hmm. a website called (laughs) theamericanwedding.com. Sounds legit. Go on. And this is about why we carry the bride over the threshold. The reason that this website is saying is not great. Oh, boy. Okay. By carrying the bride over the threshold, the groom is putting a protective space between her and the floor 
thus protecting her. Seems pretty legit. Seems like the nice thing to do. Dot, dot, dot. During the ancient times, when people were married by capture, the bride obviously would not go willingly into her husband's home. So... I guess that's your fun fact. I would just like to say, while I am definitely going to make Stephen carry me over the threshold, um, it will be 100% consensual. Yup. <laughs> oh, goodness. And now for your synopsis. Yes. This is Tales from the Crypt, Season 1, Episode 5, Lover, Come Hack to Me. And it's based off of the Haunt of Fear comic issue 19. Newlyweds Charles and Peggy's car breaks down and they find themselves in a perfectly creepy manner on their perfect wedding night. Peggy has a perfect romance on her mind while gold-digging Charles is plotting the perfect murder. After a perfectly passionate evening of lovemaking, Charles has a terrible nightmare and when he wakes up, shenanigans ensue and everybody gets what they deserve. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So we open with the Crypt Keeper. Apparently it is Cooking with Crypt Keeper. The camera focuses on some very questionable looking meat. I'm pretty sure it's steak. It's Crypt Keeper. So uh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> could be steak. Could be rump roast of Harry. Who knows? Rip. It is good to know, though, that the Crypt Keeper, much like we do, eats at his desk. Oh, yes. My desk, it... It's my craft table, it's my editing table, having feelings table. (laughs) I I noticed that because at first I thought like, oh, we're in the Crypt Keeper's kitchen. Because I do know in like, you know, future episodes, you know, like the Crypt Keeper is other places in the Crypt. And I'm like, oh, no, no, this is just his desk. He's just got a raw slab of meat on his desk and is going to dig in, I guess. So then we get into the episode. We open at the Justice of the Peace and little Peggy has just gotten married. It's so romantic, and they're dressed for a funeral. That's what, yeah, that was my note. That was my note, too. It looks like a funeral, because everyone is wearing black, including the bride. I mean, to be fair, this is that is 100% my kind of wedding. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but with your wedding, I'm expecting a little bit more lace and yeah, be prettiness. Yes. Her auntie Edith is being very unsupportive. She says that Peggy will live to regret this day. And she's warning Charles of the same thing. Like, you're going to regret this. Like, you're making a huge mistake. Like, wow. I think that's why most people don't do that. If there's any reason this couple should not be married, please speak now forever. Hold your peace. Aunt Edith is such an amazing woman, though, but we're not there yet. Yeah, we're not We're not there yet. So Peggy gets into the car, and Aunt Edith is there trying to convince both of them, like, you're going to live to regret this day. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a mistake. You fucked up. And Charles is like, nah, we're going now. We'll be back in a week. Don't forget to give us your forwarding address. Because he is kicking Aunt Edith out of the home she shares with Peggy. And has been born there. She was raised there. And he says the most savage line to her. I had to quote it because I was like, that is the ultimate burn. God, I hope I get to say this to someone someday. Uh, He says, well, I guess you'll just have to find some other place to die. Ooh. A burn. (laughs) 
So they head out for their honeymoon and they're driving away in a car with the, uh, it has their just married car. It's got the cans attached, which kind of like your creeposity earlier. I did look up the whole thing of like the attaching cans to cars because don't get any ideas in your head. I do not want cans attached Are to my you car. Because sure? <laughs> I can start collecting them right now. The guys go through so many things that pop at work. <laughs> Um, it is apparently, according to Brides.com, the tradition of tying cans to the getaway car's bumper is said to have come from the French word, oh, I should have thought this through, not chosen a friend, <laughs> not quite this one, char, charavari or chivare, meaning, or Charizard? <laughs> sure. Meaning to perform a noisy mock and celebrate a newly married couple. That's romantic, I think. I um, thought it had something to do with fairies. I mean, it could be, but not according to Brides.com. Oh, well, they would know. They would know. So we cut to, they're driving at night, it's storming really badly, and it looks like they're in the middle of nowhere. Charles is being a real dick to Peggy. It's not her fault, like, she can't read the map. Listen, if you don't remember a time of driving before GPS was common, oh my god. I did, for the record, because I am a little bit younger than you. Yes. I have used MapQuest. I have <laughs> physically printed out maps yeah, yeah. with an actual map and not yeah. just the step-by-step directions. <laughs> it's horrible. And Peggy can't read the map to figure out where they are. And to be fair, I'm like, no, Peggy, that's legit. Maps are freaking impossible. I don't know. I And there's no lighting in the car either. So how the fuck is she even going to be able to see right? anything? It looks so tiny. Right? So maybe, like, calm down a little bit, Charles? God. Mm -hmm. They find that a tree has fallen in the road, blocking their path. So Peggy talks him into getting out, trying to move the tree, which I found, like, I was like, way to tap into his toxic masculinity. So when they're arguing about if they're going to take the tree down or not, or, like, Mm -hmm. try to move the tree and whatever, Mm -hmm. he's arguing with her because he doesn't want to go out there to get wet. Mm Mm-hmm. But the way he says that sentence makes me think that I think there was something wrong with the editing. Like, I think there's supposed to be another sentence after that. Did, right. did you know what I mean? Because, like, his voice goes high, like he has more to say. Right. I definitely, there were definitely some, yeah, things were definitely funky with Charles's lines. Lines. Yes, I noticed that throughout the whole thing. Maybe it's just, it's probably just him. Like, right. as a character, not the actor. All right, sorry. That That's was just. Okay. <laughs> One of my little things. Right. Peggy convinces him to go out to move the tree, which I'm like, how are you going to move an entire freaking tree, Charles? But okay, mm. okay, sure thing. He's, Gotta let the big man try. He's a man. He's yes. got this. So he has Peggy. He's like, open the glove compartment, see if there's a flashlight. Next to the flashlight, she finds a gun. And they both awkwardly are like... Do you know where that came from? I don't know where that came from. It must be a present from old Aunt Edith. Right? So then Charles gets out. He tries to move the tree. Uh, while struggling, he happens to see a house nearby. And I like to call this house Red Flag Manor. Oh, goodness. I can't imagine why. So he gets back to the car. And the keys, he says, the keys are missing. And she says, I don't know, I think you took the keys. And they can't find the keys, so now it's like, what the fuck do we do? Right. But I'm pretty sure when we were watching it together, you pointed out, you're like, it sounds like he took the keys with him. Yes. Just another case of, like, the the dialogue getting a little, like, 
clunky and weird. Mm -hmm. So they get to Red Flag Manor and no one is home. And then the door opens and Riff Raff is there because this is secretly Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's Rocky Horror Picture Show of Brad secretly just despised Janet. Right. Like if Rocky Horror was an actual horror movie. Yeah. This is that episode. Yes. Charles announces he's going to break in. Peggy just happens to find the spare key. Before they go in, she's just standing there and she's like, ahem, Charles. But, you know, her her voice is much more, like, innocent sounding than what I'm giving you. Charles, don't you think you should carry me over the threshold? And he does do it. He's not, like, thrilled about it. But he did do it. He's not thrilled about anything having to do with Peggy unless it's her money. True. Once they get inside, it's very clear that the manor is abandoned and has been for a long time. The walls are peeling. There's plaster bits all over the floor. There's some weird-ass statues. Yes. And for some reason, Peggy finds an old rotary phone and thinks it's going to work. Peggy! Peggy! Honey! Honey, you're not this stupid! It's like, Peggy, clearly no one has lived there for a minimum of ten years. You really think somebody's paying the phone bill? So then they do what white people do in a horror movie. They start exploring. Idiots. Yes. And they do find, first first red flag of the uh, manor is they find room. The first room they enter has a light on in it. That's a red flag. Like, why is the light working? Is this... Who's been paying electricity in this rundown mansion? Is this Beauty and the Beast? Right. We're moving... We started with Rocky Horror. Now we've got Beauty and the Beast. Sorry, Disney. And uh, Peggy freaks out because there's a very absurdly shiny axe on the mantle in one of the rooms. I I refer to that as like a pink flag, like because it's so shiny, it looks like it's been polished to high heaven, Mm -hmm. not covered in dust. Charles makes a really shitty mother-in-law joke about the axe. I'm not even going to repeat it because it's that shitty. Oh, see, I thought it was funny. (laughs) So they're cold, they're in this mansion, Charles goes over to the fireplace, and Peggy notices that the fireplace seems to have recently been uh, prepared. Right. All he has to do is take out this lighter and bam, fire. Red flag. That's two red flags and one pink flag now? Yeah. yeah. So Charles says uh, they should take off their wet clothes and hang out by the fire. You know, they're cold and wet. Makes sense. Peggy's a little sketched out by it. And he's like, we are married now. It's okay to have naked time. It is. It's totally fine. Yes. And we see man butt. We see man butt. Not once. Correct. Not twice. Correct. But thrice. Yes. Thrice is nice. Charles may be a dick, but he's got a nice butt. Oh, yes, he does. Uh, And the sight of his naked body seems to, like, freak Peggy out. Um, I would like to point out, Charles, when Peggy comes back in, Charles is sitting on the couch by the fireplace. There's Mm -hmm. this, like, antique couch. But he's sitting nude on this couch. This place has been abandoned for what he guessed was 20 years, and he's pressing ham onto (laughs) a moldy old couch. This couch was not covered in a sheet. Plastic nothing. Nothing, nothing. And he is pressing his bare ass, dragging his balls on an old, mildewy, dusty couch. Ew, Charles. Ew. Peggy comes back. She kind of calls him out for not being attracted to her and only marrying her for the money. Right. A little on the nose there, Peggy. A little bit. Like, way to go, Peggy. You listened to your aunt. Although, like, 
five, six hours too late. You're yeah. already married. Yeah. You signed some paperwork. Still time for an annulment. That's true. But Charles is like, no, no, no. I love you. I love you so much. I want you so bad. Yes. And we find out that Peggy has been saving herself for marriage. She's turned him down every time he's tried to get into those. Tidy, whatever female tidy whitey Mm. is. Chastity belt? Chastity belt. She's been turning him down every time he's tried to get busy because it's a big deal for her and she wanted to be perfect. Perfect for him for their wedding night. (laughs) A little bit of an essay trigger warning in case you are watching this episode and that is something you need. Charles gets really, like, aggressive with her, like... Aggressively affectionate and not in a super ideal way. Yes, yes. Like, he's clearly trying to show he's into her and stuff. And, I mean, they're newlyweds and stuff. But she freaks out and she says no and stop. And it takes him a good 30 seconds to start putting on the brakes. So, just a little bit of a trigger warning there for that. Not not a tick in Charles's favor. No, but Peggy convinces him, like, yes. She also wants him. However, she wants everything to be perfect. Everything has to be perfect. So her only request is that they do it in a bed. Yes. I think that's reasonable. Yeah, she says she wants to have her first time in a bed. I mean, like, girl, same, don't we all? So they do more stupid white people business and they explore more of the creepy manor house. I'm sorry, what were you calling it? Uh, Red Flag Manor. Red Flag Manor. Yes. They go upstairs and... Before that, Charles notices that the clock is ticking all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And Peggy says she finds it comforting. I would also like to note that every time they go into a room, they're able to turn on lights or there's already lights on. Red flag. Why does the electricity work, but not the phone? Right? Yeah. Like, like. Who is paying the electric bill on an abandoned mansion? I'm sorry. So Peggy finds this bedroom with an immaculate looking bed. It is beautiful and silky. And I really, really want to be naked in it myself. Right. And there's candles already set around it. Like, I, I don't know how to emphasize this anymore. Red fucking flag how does this not raise a red flag this is some white nonsense right here okay so charles lights these brand new never looking lit candles and doesn't really seem to think twice about it doesn't think twice about the bed that is perfectly made and clean and not at all dusty in this rundown manner and when he's lighting the candles he does like the traditional villain thing to do where he's like kind of saying the master plan out loud uh-huh. he's like yep this is it this is a romantic night this is perfect and he's just super not into it yeah he's clearly not looking forward to banging peggy which i mean to be fair peggy's a little like Space cadet? Not really. Space cadet. Like, she's not real. Like, she seems too nervous, which I also understand. Yes, yes. But that's also like her general demeanor is almost like childlike. The other thing is that when he's lighting all these candles, that is a fire hazard. You are going to set this old ass house on fire. It's gonna suck. Everything looks incredibly flammable. So while he's doing that, she changes into her wedding night lingerie. Love, love, love a good thigh high. Right? Yes, there is like 
There is an incredibly erotic shot where she is very slowly pulling on these these black thigh-high stockings. Did you know that stockings increase confidence by 30%? I did not know that. I just made it up. (laughs) (laughs) It makes, it reads, it reads. She does her hair. She puts on the thigh highs. She puts on makeup. Mm-hmm. She's got that smoky eye pack. Yep. Meanwhile, all Charles did was get naked and get under the sheets. I mean, typical. But Peggy comes out looking hella fine. Oh, yes. That confidence boost went way the fuck up. Yeah. She went from looking like someone you would never look twice at. Like, and I'm not talking like nerdy girl in the movie that has a hair in a ponytail and wearing glasses. I mean, like... Completely different person. Yes, 180. And she looks amazing. And uh, Charles notices. He uh, perks <laughs> up in more ways than one. Uh, yes. Wink, wink. And she just keeps insisting that it has to be perfect. It has to be as perfect for me as it is for you. Yes. So cut to sexy time. Oh God! Wow, it's it gets a little graphic. Not not graphic in like Skinamax graphic, but like it's not usual screen kissing where you know it's like no tongue, lip on lip kind of thing. It is they're like licking each other's tongues yes so because this is a podcast and you can't see what they're doing i'm going to give you the verbal version of what is happening and i do apologize in advance so it sounds a little bit like this that that is how they're kissing yeah it's 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 so as an actor you know i've done my fair share of stage kissing and yeah we generally we generally don't use tongue. <laughs> Not like that. Yes. And during their making love scene, she is riding him into romance. Yes. You get a shot of the clock. It's almost midnight. And we have a moment where you see Charles thrust. And he says, and she's like, ah! and he's like, you really are a virgin. She's like, yes. And he's like, good. And cue my discomfort. Ugh. Peggy begins scream moaning in a way where you're like, is she okay? Are, are you are you hurt, Peggy? Do you need do you need help? Are you are you revoking consent? Like I don't know what's happening. I can't tell if you're having a good time or not. I, I also don't think he did any foreplay. He strikes no. me as Batman and will not go down on somebody. Correct, Amundo. So then the clock strikes midnight, and Peggy has what I have written down um, in my notes as a demonic orgasm. <laughs> The uh, sounds she is making, ugh, it again uncomfortable because you're like, I, it, is he is he murdering you with his penis, Peggy, or are you are you having a good time? I can't, I, I'm having a hard time telling. Um, she screams so loud that it shatters the glass on the face of the clock. That is impressive as I'll get out, and I'm hoping she's having a good time. Right, all I do is piss off my neighbors. <laughs> Hell, hey. <laughs> Which is impressive because your neighbors are pretty far away from you nowadays <laughs> after they uh, are complete. Post-coital. Oh, yes, that's how it is. Peggy is like, we made a child tonight and she's only this big. Indicating very tiny. I literally at that moment wanted to crawl out of my skin. I, I, 
Uh, thinking of terrible things that you could roll over and say to someone after you've had uh, relations, uh, a, a bumping of the bathing suit parts, <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say rolling over and saying, you put a baby inside of me and it's this big is probably one of the most horrifying things I've ever heard. And I know people that have, you know, that were actively trying for a baby and I don't think any of them ever said that. Well, let me ruin something for you that yeah. I recently saw on the internet oh, on Jesus, the yeah. Twitter. Yeah. It was something like, it's socially acceptable to say, we're trying for a baby. But what's not socially acceptable to say is, he filled me with a cream pie over and over again. <laughs> Which Charles did to Peggy, apparently. Yup. There is, uh, Charles falls asleep. He awakens to a noise, like the sound of a car door slamming. He gets up and goes to the window, and he sees what appears to be Peggy outside, greeting a, um, put in quotes, quote-unquote, friend. Clearly a very close friend. Wink, nudge, Mm -hmm. wink, nudge, as they start making out in the driveway. Yes, so Peggy and this man come inside, and Peggy is suddenly, like, an expert, she knows what she's doing. There's more gross kissing, making oh, out God, stuff happening. So Slightly more forceful on her side, this yes. time with this dude. She's more aggressive. Yes. And they are not strangers. They have fucked before and they are going to continue fucking. And I say that because when he takes his shirt off and he is built. Yes. Shredded. So, yeah. so good. You could yeah. cut some cheese on yes. that chest. Yes. That's I, I would, a thing, right? I, I would eat a cheese sandwich from that, I would just Ooh, say. You would eat a cheese sandwich if willingly? It, um, If it came from that guy, yeah. All right. Um, noted. I, I will say, yeah, more of the graphic licking. She actually at one point gets on her knees and licks his happy trail, which is, it, it's just like, whoa, whoa. whoa. Okay. That is bold, that bold is, Peggy. That is graphic. He so they they so they go to the couch. They're ravaging each other. He licks her leg. I thought he was gonna lick her toes at one point. Like, oh no. Yeah. Yep. I mean, no judgment to those of you. We may have some wiki feet f- fans here from the uh, you know from the first episode. Yeah, um, more power so to you, friends. No judgment. I just I don't enjoy my toes being licked. Same. So they fuck. Yep. There's a lot of fucking happening on this there episode. Um, can we just talk about Peggy's idea of sexy talk? She's in the middle of having sex and she's going, perfect, perfect. It's, it's perfect. uncomfortable. I don't know what you're talking about. I thought it was perfect acting and perfect dialogue. Yes, very perfect sexy talk. Peggy gets off again. I mean, get get yours, girl. Get get yours. And Charles is suddenly all depressed? Question mark. Right. He's like, she's cheating on me. She and doesn't love me. Why did she marry me, Charles? Charles, oh. my man, you don't care. At that point that I was really starting to realize that he was he's definitely the wink weak link of the episode. <laughs> and then he like he has this whole conversation to himself of like he remembers that it's all about the money. It's all about the money, Charles. And then Peggy tells her other husband that he's impregnated her with a baby girl. And she's only this big. Red fucking flag. For some reason this man fall much like Charles falls asleep right after she says that. I wonder if they're drugging them. I don't know, because good 
Lord, all I have to say is, I mean, I'm only coming at this from the the cis female perspective, but if I were to have coitus with a uh, a gentleman and he were to uh, put his hand on my stomach and say, I just put a baby in your belly. Nope. Let nope, me tell right you, out of there. there would be a tish shaped hole in the fucking wall. I wouldn't <laughs> even go through the door. I wouldn't grab my clothes. I would literally burst through that wall like the Kool-Aid man and go oh, running down no. the street naked. Yes, going, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Abort. Abort. Uh, More ways than <laughs> Also at Camp Creek Podcast, we are pro-choice. Very pro-choice. So Peggy has this whole monologue, this bizarre monologue, how their love will remain perfect and special and preserved. It'll never falter. It'll always have this passion. Yes, it'll never perfection. sour. And she preserves it by murdering him with the axe from the wall. Now, before we continue on with the rest of this episode, is this giving you any ideas for what you want your wedding to be like? I'm just curious. You mean my wedding night? I will say I have no plans of murdering Stephen. I mean, you know, I'm all about that improv. I like to be spontaneous, so it's you never yes know. yes and. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't plan on murdering my future husband on our wedding night. But I love you, Stephen. <laughs> Stephen, make good choices. <laughs> make good choices, Stephen. So she, you know drives an axe into him over and over and over and Charles tries to stop her which it's like too late (laughs) like dude he doesn't get there until she's already hit him like twice with the axe and And that axe is fucking huge like even if you just gently hit somebody with it you're you're gonna die there's no not dying with that thing and and Charles just he tries to go to her and he goes right through her and he tries several times not understanding why he's just going right through her like almost like she's a <gasps> ghost ghost parents yeah. which is something else they have in common with peggy yes so and at that point she reveals that his name is alan and charles has this bizarre monologue about how peggy's dad's name is alan he died before she was born light bulb peggy's mom killed him in this house on their wedding night. Oh, my. Good job, Charles. Now you're on the same page as everybody else. Right. And then Charles wakes up and it was, oh, it was just a bad dream. But you were there and you were there. <laughs> Peggy confirms. Yeah, that's totally what happened. And he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. What? They have a little negotiation because he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was going to kill you. No, you weren't, because you loved me so much. Nuh-uh, I got this gun here, and I'm going to shoot you. So he grabs the gun. No bullets. No bullets. And she's uh, like, see? It's because you love me so much. And then she drives an axe to him over and over and over. This is by far, so far, the bloodiest we've gotten. Oh, yeah, she is covered covered super covered like blood sprayed everywhere her face is just it's like she's wearing a face mask of blood i'd wear it that's a thing actually a blood facial yeah yeah Mm. the vampire facial she started it she is the trendsetter so yep she wanted what her mother had and by golly she got it after charles is dead it's like well charles and edith did warn you She did. So the next morning, she comes running out of Red Flag Manor, dressed like a, uh, just like a toddler, acting like a toddler. She's even like toddling, kind of. It's very bizarre, because she already 
when she's not being sexy, Peggy, she uh, kind of speaks very childlike. So it was mm-hmm. just very like ugh, ugh, uncomfortable. Right. Aunt Edith is there to greet her and she thanks her for calling her. Yes. And she confirms that she's pregnant with a baby girl. But how did she call? Are there more phones in Red right? Flag Manor? Was she just pretending that that phone didn't work? In the conversation she has with Aunt Edith that wraps up the story, you know, she confirms that she's pregnant with a little girl and she asks Aunt Edith if she'll love her like Aunt Edith loved her. Edith says, of course, I loved your mother, I loved you, I will love your baby. And just make it clear that this is just their tradition and that Peggy now has to swear off men, which yep, she's no fine with. no more men, yep. not allowed. Yeah, but then her little girl will, will someday hook up with the man and murder him, apparently. I really want to go to their family reunions. I want to be a fly on that wall. I want to know... How this got started. And interesting that you say flags. I'm thinking like, there's a family of black widows there, man. Oh, Oh, the webs they weave. Yes. There are a few things that now that we've gotten to the end of the story that I wanted to like backtrack a little bit and point out. And I this first thing I didn't really notice until you and I were watching it like an hour ago. When they leave after the wedding... And they get into the car and they start driving away towards the honeymoon. Uh-huh. Aunt Edith had been warning them the entire time, like, you're going to regret this. You'll live to see the day that you like made this mistake. After they've pulled away and they're far enough, Aunt Edith's face goes from concerned, concerned to shit eating grin. Oh, I didn't notice that. I'll, pl- I'll play it for you after this. No, she knew something was up. She was in on it. And then I also think that after they got into Red Flag Manor and Peggy is taking her clothes off and she's like, do you love me? She's trying to give him an out. Yeah. If he was honest with her and just told her like, nope, I just want your money. I don't think we would have had the story. Right. I think it just would have been like, okay, well, I'm going to go sleep in this area. You go do your own thing, bro. <laughs> Annulment in the morning. Oh. So we get back to the Crypt Keeper's crypt, and he's clearly eaten his meal. Um, And he is putting on a top hat. I'm assuming trying to look dapper. Like, I think he's going for, like, that's his wedding apparel look. I didn't get that memo. I don't remember being proposed to. Crypt Keeper, hey. Get your shit together, Crypt I, I'm ready. I have a white dress around here somewhere, I'm sure. So uh, he does have a little suggestion for all the bachelors out there that you do a little background check on your uh, bride-to-be before you go and get married. Yes, because the only skeletons in the closet that matter is him. Exactly. And I will agree. The only skeleton in the closet I care about is the Crypt Keeper. Do you background check dates? I don't background check necessarily but if i know their full name i will facebook stalk them Mm -hmm. especially if we have mutual friends and then if i do have mutuals i will message the ones i trust and be like is this person okay what do i need to know Mm -hmm. like uh, did you date before stuff like that that's the dealio yeah no i totally 100 percent like without paying money like background checked steven before we went out like yes oh yeah oh yeah no i I knew i knew a lot before going into that first date um actually had a friend that had a date set up with a guy she met on the internet and i was like you didn't even like look him up she's like no no looked him up dude was wanted in another state for like writing fraudulent checks oh 
Yeah. Did yeah. they go splitsies on that date, <laughs> or did he write she a check? Canceled the date. Good girl. Yeah, I think what I think once that came up, and she's like, mm, "What other kinds of red flags are hanging out there?" Yeah, that's a yes. that's a good call. Yeah. Can't say I've ever found a felon when I've been on my dating searches, to my knowledge. Are local lore, legends, and laughter your thing? Then come check out our podcast, or so they say, where two sisters travel small town America, one ghostly tale at a time. We're your hosts, Midwest twins Megan and Kelsey. Join us every Thursday where you get to hear not just the history behind haunted locations, but our own personal experiences as well. Faceless nuns? Check. Harmonica playing ghosts? Check. Alcohol? You You betcha. betcha. So join our spooky crew and drink along with us as we investigate a haunted place near you. Stream us wherever you find your favorite podcasts at Or So They Say. Come check us out. Bye. Bye. It's time for everybody's favorite segment. Who's that goo? So time for some schoolgirl gushing because the director of this episode is my favorite director. Who is it? It's Tom Holland. I love Tom. And no, I don't mean the child that was Spider-Man. That is a different Tom Holland. This Tom Holland came first, damn it. Tom Holland, he is a director, writer, and actor. He is famous for directing Fright Night. Yes. The original, the original with Chris Sarandon and William Ragsdale. He directed the original Child's Play. Um, oh. Yeah, which is my favorite movie. He also directed some Stephen King movies, The Langoliers and Thinner. Okay, The Langoliers. Yeah. Meatballs with razor blade teeth. <laughs> that fucked me up as a kid. I was terrified <laughs> as an adult. I appreciate it. Way to go. Tom also wrote Psycho 2, and Tom started his career actually as an actor. He was on a soap opera from the 60s called A Flame in the Wind. There was actually a fun little trivia piece about how when he was on that soap, he went to a Beatles concert. Hmm and was recognized and got mobbed. Oh, no. (laughs) At a Beatles concert. Way to outshine the Beatles, Tom. It is impressive. Yes. No, I I love Tom. I have been fortunate to get to meet Tom through the horror convention scene, but also through that, um, was able to parlay that into a nice dinner with Tom where, you know, got to get to know him a lot better. So not only he's my favorite director, he's just a genuinely good human being. I genuinely admire him. I love hearing things like that. Like, oh, thank fuck that somebody you adore isn't a shitty person. Yes. No, he's a wonderful person. He very much loves and worships his wife. Um, So great husband. I know he went into business with his son. So supportive dad. And like I said, one of my favorite, like my favorite director. Like, I love, I like, I could see the Tom touches in this, even though, like I said, script I wasn't a fan of, but the execution of like the shots. <laughs> the <and> execution? Stuff, <laughs> um, I could definitely see the Tom touches in it, and I, and I, I really enjoyed those. Then we move on to Amanda Plummer, who played 
Peggy. I adore her. So she's been in some pretty uh, big films. She was in So I Married an Axe Murderer, mm-hmm. which I heard is coming back as like a Netflix thing. Like there's okay. going to be like a sequel or something. She was in Pulp Fiction, The Prophecy. Did you ever see The Prophecy? I, I Christopher think I Walken. did. That's the one where like this little girl is possessed by the... I don't know what I'm thinking. Angels and devils. Well, yeah, but I thought like this little girl was possessed by a general of some sort in it. I'll have to figure out what I'm thinking of. Hey, if you're listening to this and you know what movie I'm talking about, that would be great. Yeah, maybe I need to rewatch The Prophecy. It's been a while because the first time I scared the living daylights out of me. Um, She was a voice in Hercules, a voice in Phineas and Ferb. And most recently, she played Louise in Ratched. Oh, yeah. I have not watched Ratched yet but I've heard amazing things about it. Yeah. Uh, it tends to take a little bit of a run. It tends to go... You really don't like Ryan Murphy. <laughs> okay, listen. I do like Ryan Murphy. I just think the man has a hard time ending a freaking show. Mm. He always messes it up in the end. With the exception of um that Hollywood one that he did about Hollywood in like the 1950s or 40s? 20s, oh, somewhere well. in there. I don't remember. Sometime. Yeah. So a fun fact about Amanda Plummer, she got her big break in an ABC after school special called The Unforgivable Secret. All I could find out about it is that it's about a girl whose dead father is actually secretly alive. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, man, I loved those ABC after school specials. They were so hokey. (laughs) I'm here for it. I recently watched another movie with her in it, and I didn't look at the IMDb page before I started watching it. All I saw is that it had Reese Witherspoon, and that's all I truly needed to know I wanted to watch this random movie. (laughs) That is the whitest thing you've ever said to me. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh, just wait until you see how I decorate my glasses for July. It is Legally Blonde 2 themed. Nice. It is. It is extra as fuck. (laughs) If you don't think these ones are, it's going to get worse. I love it. I think it was called Red. It's basically Red Riding Hood, but she plays Reese Witherspoon's mother. And it wasn't until she opened her mouth to say something that I was like, wait a second. (laughs) That's the lady from Tales from the Crypt. Mm -hmm. And then I went down a rabbit hole. Nice. So Charles is played by Stephen Shellen. He did uh, he did a few things. Um, he was he didn't have a really big successful career. I mean, he he had a few recurring roles on some television shows and stuff. But the movies that were most notable on his resume were the movie A River Runs Through It, The Bodyguard with Oh shit, Whitney. Ah, what a time. R.I.P. Whitney. Still thinking about you. Um, he had a recurring role on La Femme and Nikita, very, very sexy show. But a fun fact about him, he was a lumberjack in Canada before he became an actor. Okay, so I thought he was attractive. Yeah, because he's a goddamn sexy-ass lumberjack. Yeah, that's just confirming it. Yeah, yeah, lumberjacks are hot. Then we have Aunt Edith, who is played by Lisa Figus. She had a very short career. It looks like she didn't get started until way late in life. Um, It happens. Yeah, she had a small run on General Hospital in the 90s. And I really think she uh, missed her calling. So in 1986 in the film Armed and Dangerous, she played Woman at Party. And in 1991 in the film Dutch, she played 
party woman. I think she really missed a calling there. She did. She was a partier. She was a partier. Sadly, Lisa passed away February 20th, 2017 at the age of 93. Oh my goodness. Yeah, she, you know what? I, I That gives me like, I'm like, you know what? She didn't pursue acting until way later in life. Like, she had a good life, I think. I like to hope. Um, Fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm, I'm rooting for you, Annie Edith. Then we have Alan was played by Richard Eaton. Another person with a very short resume, not a lot of notes, just, you know, mostly like TV appearances here and there. But he did play RoboCop in the RoboCop TV series from the 90s. And then he played RoboCop in RoboCop 4. I've never seen a RoboCop movie. I've seen the first two, and that that was I was good. There. RoboCop's supposed to be based in Detroit, right? Correct. Okay, well that part's kind of cool. Yeah, that that part's neat. Yeah, I'll give it that. That was and that was really the only fascinating thing I find about him is that he played RoboCop. Eh. Did you like this episode? I would give this episode like one severed thumb up and one severed thumb down. I I liked the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed the cinematography. The like the shots were great, especially like the way that, like Peggy's transformation was handled. Oh yes, honestly, what what really just took me kept taking me out of the story was Charles, Char- specifically like Charles's dialogue, Charles's lines, the way he delivered some of them. There were some things that just to me like it just it didn't vibe for me. It took me, it, it like snapped me out of the story when he would start rambling and ranting, like not a strong actor there, that Charles. Gotcha. Did have pretty hair. Though. He Good did. And did you like the episode? I did. I I see your one up, one down severed thumb. I'm giving it two severed thumbs because- Up or down? Uh, up. I'm giving it up. <laughs> All up for the X. I liked it because I enjoy it when a man gets what he deserves. Even mm-hmm. if that's murder in this case, that's yeah. fine. He was not a good dude. No. I also enjoyed that we got butt. We got <laughs> man butt. We did not have any female nudity. Yes. It looked like we were about to for a second, but no. So I appreciated that. And I can see why you don't like how Charles was doing like the narrating part. I think the only reason he had to say it was for those viewing it that didn't quite get it. If they couldn't put two and two together. Usually in script writing, though, like that's kind of the thing with film is like you can find one, you can show things non-verbally. It's kind of the beauty of film. And also Mm -hmm. there's more natural ways to kind of seg, kind of cover that ground. I just felt it was really unnecessary, made, made for some really clunky dialogue. So, but your opinion is very valid. As is yours. Thank you. <laughs> that is it for today's episode of Camp Creep. You can tune in next week to the season finale. Woo! Thank you for listening to Camp Creep. Our theme music was created by Steve O'Dockerson. Our logo was designed by Tish Delano. The show is produced by Lauren Jewell and Tish Delano and edited by Lauren Jewell. You can support the show by subscribing to us on iTunes and leave us a review. Creep Creep it it real. real.